afternoon we're looking at the book of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. I'm going to read the whole chapter and focus on that first verse. Who had believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The next, that's a question in its acts. It says, go on, it goes on to say, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He had no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we heed as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and his sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he had poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, I don't know how many people understand what I just said and understand that even those that have been in Christianity for a number of years or whatever. But if we just examine the first portion of that, it says, Who had believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, sometimes you can tell who believe what is in the Word of God when they say who had believed their report. Who had believed the Word of God? Who had believed every word that's here? Because you have to know it to believe it. And then there are many promises and wonders that are in the Word of God. And do you actually believe those? Who had God actually shown himself to? I'm going to try to answer both of those questions, it, if but briefly in some cases. But the arm of the Lord is not revealed unto all people. And as Deacon read in the 
10th chapter of 2 Corinthians, verse 6, that the wrath of God is revealed against those who obey not the gospel. And let me, let me read it to its exact words. It says, And having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is filled. In other words, as we obey the word of God, that's how we know those who had believed the report of who God is and what God is and believing in God's word. Obedience follow faith. Uh, that's what faith is. Uh, that's what believing and trusting is. It translates into obedience. It translates into obedience. And it says, taking vengeance upon those who obey not the gospel. See, because obedience to the gospel, if you don't obey the gospel, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness. So the judgments and the things that happen to us, and sometimes it's a lot of things that be happening to me, and I think, well, why is this happening to me? It's like Job, you know. Why is all of this happening to me? Uh, Gideon says, Lord, if the Lord be for us, why are we going through all of this? Sometimes you wonder why. Because then you say, well, I must have done this. So what you start doing is try to make correlations in your life to what you have done or whatever. And we know we have all had transgressions and did wrong or whatever. And when we turn to the Lord, the consequences of that wrongdoing is still there because of God's laws. He said, what a man soweth, that he shall also reap. So all of that that you've done, every sin and transgression will receive is just recompense of reward. So don't think that you could do evil and do all these things in life and not have that come back upon you. Now in the way it comes back upon you may be a little bit of difference. Paul, he would kill Christians. He would do a whole lot of things even though he did it in the name of God. He did it ignorantly. When God, when Jesus told Ananias to go and open up Paul's eyes, he said, and show him how much he must suffer for my name. Paul made a correlation of his suffering is for what he did in his life, that he jailed Christians and some of the ways and things that he did in his life. Are you making a correlation as to the thing that has happened into your life and that now your life has changed. You know, when a lot of people see they, say they're Christians or whatever, we look at them and look at their lifestyle and say, I don't know what Christianity they follow or what church they go to or what are their beliefs. What do they believe in? The way you dress, act, and conduct yourself, it's a correlation in whether you believe or not. It, it, it shows whether you believe or not. It's just not a mental ascent to knowing the Word of God. You have to actually be a doer of the Word of God. It must be active in your life, and it must show. That light must be shining, and others see that light and give God the glory, or else you're not following in Jesus Christ's image and likeness. You're not being molded and made in His image and likeness. When people see you, your characteristics need to display what you believe is according to what you live. And that's why last week we said how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the glad tidings and publish it the gospel. 
So don't come telling somebody the gospel and talking God's word if you're a hypocrite, if your lifestyle doesn't match that. So the beautiful feet, I told you, it's not a literal feet, your feet, because feet are ugly. Feet, a lot of times people have ugly feet, smelly feet. A different. We don't want to see your feet, and that's why he showed the humility of Christ when he said you must wash each other's feet. So when he says publish it, the gospel, the feet of those that published the gospel, and I tell you it was a metaphor for traveling, those that are working or walking or doing something. So that same correlation goes along with belief or faith. So it's not just those that know the word of God. In other words, a mental ascent. Uh, Intellectually, a lot of people know what the scriptures say, and they could quote the scriptures word for word. They could quote much more scripture than I do and memorize many more scriptures than I do. Satan came to Jesus quoting scriptures. So the quote of uh, belief and the uh, uh, intellectual ascent of knowing the word of God. Listen to what James says. Second chapter, the ninth to the twentieth verse. The living Bible says, Are there still some among you who hold that only believing is enough? I believe in God. Yeah, you believe in God, everybody believe in God, right? Okay, no problem. Believing in one God, yeah, we believe there's one God. Well, remember that the demons believe this too. So strongly that they may tremble or that they tremble in terror. Fool, when will you ever learn that believing is useless without doing what God wants you to do? It says, faith that does not result in good deeds is not real faith. The Amplified says, you believe that that God is one, and you do well to believe that. The demons also believe that, and shudder and bristle, and are in terror, and are filled terror. They have seen God's wrath, the wrath of God. See, that's why I say, who's the arm of the Lord reveal unto? A lot of times we see the power of God. A lot of times I see it in thunder and lightning and in devastation and all of the things in earth. It says the whole creation, the manifestation of God has been manifest in creation. We look at the human body and the different things that are created. And we know that that's by intelligent design, that it must be a designer or creator somewhere to make all of these things. That man just couldn't have evolved. So we know that there is a God. But are you willing, listen to this, well, are you willing to recognize you foolish, spiritually shadow people, a person that without faith, without good works, is useless. Yes. Without it changing you, without, without believing in God, without believing there's a belief system that goes along with this God, it's useless. It does you no good. That's why I say we are hypocritical people. That's a hypocrite that speaks and says he believes one way, but yet does another way. That, that's the problem there. He says, Was our father Abraham not shown to be justified by works of obedience which has expressed his faith? In other words, faith cometh by works. You know, I, I'm not taking away some faith coming by hearing the word of God. But in other words, let me say it as James said, faith has works. 
Without that, it's a dead faith. When he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar as a sacrifice to God, and as David says, how can I offer to God something that had cost me nothing? In other words, he was willing to pay Arona for his threshing for He didn't want him just to give it to him. Serving God is going to cost you something. And that's why it says present your body as a living sacrifice. It's going to cost you your life. You have to die to self. It's going to cost you your lifestyle, self-pleasure, and all of these other things. Count the cost before you will serve the living God. Joshua told the people, y'all can't serve God. You can't serve the living God. He says, but choose this day the God that you will serve. Now you see that his faith was working together with his works. And as a result of works, his faith was completed. In other words, reaching its maturity when it expressed his faith through obedience. And that's what I said. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is the key to everything. Obedient children. And if you're obedient to the word of God, hearing and obedience goes hand in hand. If, if your parents see you doing something else, they say, well, uh, didn't I tell you to do this? And, and if you're doing something else, they say, well, look, you didn't hit me, did you? You must didn't hit me. In other words, they're saying, if you'd have hurt me, you'd have been doing what I told you to do. That's why when children run you crazy, hollering at them or whatever, when you say, if you keep doing that, I'm going to skin you alive. Don't say that if you don't mean that because they keep doing it and you don't go there and halfway skin them alive or whatever. They will start saying your words is useless. You're just talking and now you have to start howling and screaming at them. And after a while, that's not going to be effective and they're going to run you crazy. But my mother had us to the point that she could be on one side of the church. She didn't even have to say stop or whatever. All she had to do was look over there. If mother looked over there, you didn't want that look. You was dead, dead, you know. So she would carry out. In other words, it wasn't an idle threat. And see, nowadays, people make idle professions. Everybody know God. Everybody's following Jesus. Everybody's a Christian. That, that's the problem in the end, they church. And that's why it says, let the wheat and tear the girl together. So now we come into a time where we have dueling dueling Christianity. And I was I was telling y'all coming up here, we have the SBC church. There's another mega church in North Carolina and I forgot the name of it that left the SBC this month. But Rick Warren, I tell you, they put him out or whatever because he was ordaining women preachers. But the churches with God are going to split over doctrine. They go split over a whole lot of different things because the Methodists are splitting up because of same-sex marriage and ordaining uh, homosexuals and lesbians to the uh, laity and to the priesthood and as clerics and things. And you have to come to a point where this has to be the reality. Either you will live by faith or you will live by God or God's going to bring judgment. That's going to help move you out the way when it says, fret not thine self because of evil doers. So he has to thin out the church also. Though many would argue that a large majority of Americans believe in God, 
Such a fact is not an indicator of how these people actually live, though. They say American is a Christian nation. Well, I believe it's just like Israel was. I believe it's a hypocritical nation in that the majority of them are in a false Christianity. They're hearing another Jesus. They're being preached another doctrine. They're not as loyal as uh, they're not understanding that they are being uh, professors and not actually the true gospel. That's why we have to come along and preach the word, and that's what's going to make the difference here. That's who, how you determine who believes the word of God. That's how you can tell who the arm of the Lord is revealed unto. James writes, even the demons believe and tremble, but their behavior still remains the same. They're still doing demonic things. They never stop. they like that child you hollering at, even though you believe that parent is over an authority over you, you don't act like it. Well, that's because also in Ecclesiastes it says because work against a punishment against evil work is not carried out so sometimes that brings not about repentance. It's like Ananias and Sapphira at that time when that when they dropped dead, when they didn't when they lied about their ties to Peter and, and the apostles well, that problem, the tide situation probably was good for a while. You know, yes. people wasn't lying. They were paying their tithes and offering for a while, but then they got back to robbing God or whatever. It's just like after 9-11 or whatever, a lot of people start going to church or whatever, but they went back to what they were doing. Yes. The Assyrians, the, they repented at the preaching of Jonah, but some hundred years later, Nahum came and prophesied that God destroyed Nineveh. He had to destroy Nineveh. Some people turn away. You know, if you throw it in jail or get sick, you call on God for a while, but you soon turn away because you will start living what you actually believe. In other words, as they say, what's in a man or a woman's will come out of. What's in the heart. So you, you really wasn't sincere. They'll join a church or do something for a while, maybe to get a wife or to get a husband or something do something a while, but after you marry her, she's going to turn into a devil. He's going to turn just like he was, so you can't change him. So you thought you could, by marrying him, you was going to change him, but you just deceived. Well, the devils know this. It says, true belief in God, as the apostle explains, is accompanied by works that demonstrate our belief. That's why John the Baptist told him, it says, bring forth fruits. Meet for repentance. In other words, show this in your lifestyle. It has to be showing in the way you live, not just what you're saying. You can say a whole lot uh, mentally, know a lot or whatever, just because you know something, that don't mean you can do it. This guy that was working on my vehicle, he may know about cars and everything, but that didn't make him a good mechanic. He may have the tools and everything, but he don't have the wisdom of the knowledge to do this. That's where wisdom and knowledge come of God comes differently from that of the world. And I'll tell you about that in a minute if I can go up and get to it. Uh, These works are behaviors, words, and thoughts that conform to the revealed will of God. In other words, when we start seeing a person's life line up with God's word, the revealed word of God, we know that it's God transforming his mind. That that same mind is in him that is in Christ. Listen at that. When the behavior, the words, 
and the thoughts change. So it gets to the point when you hit your hand with the hammer, explicitive doesn't come out. When someone does something to make you angry or whatever, the temperament is not to kill or to get even or whatever. In other words, that nature has to change. It can't be in the kingdom of God. It has to be a complete ratification of the old man of what you were. The essence of the individual has to change. In other words, true believers try to live as God lives. You will be example of Jesus Christ, just as he was, so are we. Now, the demons know God's awesome power in all of these things. Uh, they recognize his power and are terrified at the thoughts of God. And they are thoroughly convicted that God is. And I'm going to read two things here that's close together from the book of Matthew, the 8th chapter, and then one after a while from Matthew, the ninth chapter. Matthew, the 8th chapter, and the 29th verse says, And they screamed out, What business do we have in common with each other, Son of God? In other words, when he was casting out the demons when he came to the man that has all these swine in them. Remember the man that had the legion of swine? And Jesus came and he called the demons out and it says, what have we to do with thou son of uh, Jesus, thou son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? Uh, have you come to torment us before the time? And I thought I had this. Okay, but it says, Son of God, have you come to torment, torment us before the appointed time? You remember the demon says, Jesus, Son of God, have you come to torment us before the time? They realize, you remember they called him Jesus, Son of God. Have you come, in other words, our time is not up yet. They knew their time wasn't up. Man knows that the demons and things knows that time is winding down. So in this verse, it helps us understand that saving faith is not the intellectual acceptance of a theological principle. In other words, they knew this intellectually. They knew the devil knows he's a defeated foe. He was defeated at Calvary. A lot of people know, uh, if it may be a spouse or children or whatever, they know when they're wrong or, or something is wrong, and that's why their conscience condemn them. A lot of people understand this and where the power of authority lies, and they succumb to that power. But that doesn't change their lives. A, a, a spouse may be cheating on the other spouse or whatever, and that spouse catch up with them or whatever, and they say that they was wrong and they did but that doesn't change them from the behavior that they're carrying on. The thief, he apologizes when he gets caught or whatever, but that doesn't change him being a thief. Yes. So the intellectual knowledge of knowing something doesn't change. So it's a lot of people know that there is a God, but see, unless you're born again, there's nothing that you can do about it. So God doesn't reveal himself to everybody. So we know that they don't believe the gospel. You can't believe the gospel unless God gives you the power to believe the gospel. 
I can preach till I'm blue in the face. That's why he was telling Isaiah, don't be disappointed, Isaiah, because I've shut their ears to where they can't hear. They can't see. So a lot of people get mad when you're witnessing or talking to somebody and they don't believe. Well, if you know God, you know man can't come to God. Brother Isley, older man I used to know, I spoke at his film and everything, and I miss him very dearly. He had told me one time, you know, you can't go to God. I'm like, what do you mean? God has to draw you to Him. Man, there's none good. There's not, not one. If it's any good in you, God has placed that in you. you just not acknowledging that God gave you that good. Anything that's good comes from God. So you can't go to God. So all of this altar calls, and it came in where it says come to the altar and accept Christ. You can't accept Christ. Christ said, you hadn't chosen me. I've chosen you. The ones he's chosen, he's chosen them from the foundation of the world. He had predestinated them from the beginning. So we, we have to get a proper perspective of God's word in his will. That's why he says for Satan not to assemble together yourself. Because with proper Bible study, with the teachers and pastors he put in the church, that's for the perfecting of the saints. That's for those that was going to be without a spot or a blemish because the church, the ones that's going to walk in this victory are a very limited number. There be a many a call but only a few chosen because everybody can't do the will of God. It's not designed that. God has to be, give you the ability to sprinkle you with clean water and cause you to walk into his statutes. He's going to give you a new heart. Now you will have to draw near the God and not resist it. That's going to be a whole lot of change. That's why I say you have to have a discernment of spirit. God's given you this. That's why I say you have to observe everybody else around you. You, you judging, and that's why I say without that spirit of judgment, you will be in might. That's a mighty dangerous and a precarious thing. That means you will believe anything in anybody. It says, He that is spiritual judges all things. The demons believe, they tremble in fear, but they will not obey God. They don't have the capacity to obey God. Obedience is a symbol of knowing God. Obedience is a symbol because that's why we fail, because the law was weak through the flesh. We have to have the spirit that enables us to obey and to do the will of God. We too can believe God, uh, that God is, and we can get to church and say amen and do all of these things. It's a lot of people that have been in church years and years, just like Cornelius. He was a devout man and believed in God, but until God sent Cornelius to preach the gospel and God had this transformation of faith in his life because God had set it up that by that faith would come by hearing of the word. And it comes from a preaching. He can't preach unless God sent him. So these preachers that God hadn't sent, how can they cause you to believe in a God that you don't know? They're preaching another Jesus. They're preaching another gospel. So you can't come to the saving grace of the true God. 
It says, but we may not even shudder most assuredly. Most of mankind will not submit to God. They're going the broad road, and that's where the mega churches and all of the people that's fooling America to, to think that we're a Christian nation. You may have a, a, a veneer of Christianity. It may be on the outside, and you may say or think that you're worshiping Jesus, but you're like you're sadly deceived. You're like those that says, Lord, Lord, hadn't we done all of this in your name? He's going to say, I never knew you because you didn't have a relationship with him. Relationship changed things. The faith that saves is one that not only believes that God is, but also changes a person's life according to that belief, whatever that belief is. That's why when some people proselytize and go into Islam or go into Buddhism or whatever, their whole lifestyles, everything changes according to that belief system. We live according to our belief system. And if our belief system hadn't changed, you can see who believes what. So that question, who had believed our report, it's to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed, and you will see it because they become coming into the conformity of his image and his likeness. Now, saving faith, if we believe that God is, that puts only us only on the same level as demons, if we just believe God or believe that he died for us, believe these things. Because that scripture, we, we isolate one scripture, John 3.16. We isolate certain scriptures, but that's an element of salvation. Because we see Jesus said that we are his disciples if we continue in his word. So that word eliminates you from just believing. If you believe that Jesus is the son, uh, you believe all these things, then you have eternal life. But Jesus has a demon that he adds on. He says, you are my disciples if you continue in my word. If you abide in my word. So there's a prerequisite there of doing something else. So that's why I say it's very dangerous to make a, a, a religion or a doctrine behind one or two scriptures. Yep. You believe in just in the baptism in Jesus' name of being baptized, we, we come to find out that baptism is a work. It's an outward sign in that the true baptism is baptism in the Holy Spirit because there's only one baptism in one Lord and one faith. So the washing, the washing and baptism is not a washing. Washing is washing with the word. It's sprinkled with the word. Abraham's example also shows us that this belief, this faith is not intellectual agreement, but rather a deep conviction that motivates our core and changes how we think. Didn't he have to fool with Abraham quite a while for 30 some years? before Abraham come to the point of faith where that sentence comes true that he staggered not at the promises of God? Because he did stagger a couple of times. We're not contradicting Scripture or saying Scripture is wrong. But didn't he think that Pharaoh and Abimelech would kill him and he lied and say Sarah was his sister? He was a friend. But only after a process of walking with God and living with God, did God get to get him to the point, well, if God say kill Isaac, I'm going to draw this knife back and kill him. I'm, I'm going to leave everybody down here, and I believe God. That's God's problem. If, if Isaac's going to live, he's going to have to resurrect God. 
He said, me and the lad's going up to worship and we'll come back. He pulled out the knife. He didn't try to find anything else. He was about to sacrifice Isaac. He believed God. So now he put the ball in God's court. He had faith and he believed that God could raise him from the dead. So he was going to kill Isaac and he didn't see where God had human sacrifices or whatever, but he believed God. He says, kill thine only son. So he believed what God said. When are we going to believe God's word? Is when we start acting on it. That's standing out on faith. That's standing out on the word of God, the true word of God. The evidence of this change is action. True belief and faith must have actions to complete it or else it's dead. So without a faith that has works, it's a dead faith. Without being able to take an action to what you're saying, it's just talk. We don't know if you're just talking or not. It's a many of preachers out there, but they could be false preachers. God may not have said it. They might not have never lived this. Listen at what Titus say, this belief and conduct. The little book of Titus, how many of us ever read that book? That's why we have to say, if we're saying that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, shouldn't you have some sort of way to read the word of God every day because that's what you ask in God for? Something you ask God and He freely give it to you? What do you do with it? You throw it in the closet? You throw it in the shelf? Where is your Bible? Could you find your Bible when you go home? Yep. Now people say, do you have a Bible? Well, you should have different, even different versions of the Bible. So you said, give us this day our daily bread. Well, your daily bread is the Word of God. That's the bread that you should live by. It's not physical bread because some days you could fast. Some days you do without the physical food. But you can't do without the Word of God. So that daily bread that God gives you is to get up and read your devotion, your daily devotional in the Word of God. That's what you should be living by. So, so if you've read Genesis to Revelations, you've ran, ran across these things. He sent Titus to Crete instead of Timothy because Titus was a little bit more stronger preacher than Timothy. Timothy had problems, and that's why he had issues with his stomach and things, and he told him to drink a little wine for his often infirmities. But Titus was a pretty tough cookie. He was one of those preachers like Paul, you know. Paul was a pretty hard-nosed preacher, and that's why he says that many things they must suffer. The more half of your personality, the more hardship, and that's why a lot of things come up on me because I've been a hard person at times. I, you know, when I was coming up, I was hard to deal with. Deacon. Yes. You know, you, I, I, you went to school with me. I was hard, kind of hard to deal with, and it's still that abrasion that God's kind of filing me down. Now, Titus, he got to the preachers here. Yes. This, the 13th chapter. Let me just pick up here, but if you read that whole uh, first chapter. He's talking about the elders and the preachers here. Listen at this, 13th and 16th verse. He says, this description is true. What description? What I said to read those first 12 verses. He's talking about the elders and the false teachers. He says, so rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in faith and free from doctrinal error, not paying attention to Jewish myths and that and the commandments and rules of men who turn their backs on the truth. Yes. 
that's on all of the people that believe on all of these holidays and things that it's nowhere scriptural. That's myths. It says rebuke them silently and rebuke them openly. In other words, if that preacher getting up there preaching something he shouldn't preach, if that person saying something, you got to call him on the carpet. You have to do it openly. Other people around you will think you're in agreement with those things. And then they will think that they could get up and say anything that's not sound. And you have people preaching and teaching that mama said or somebody else said, and now you got people with all kinds of different errors and beliefs, and people don't, that you didn't introduce doctrine into the church. Yes. False doctrine. It, it's not true doctrine, and that's why he told, Jesus told him, said, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisee, for it contains leaven. Everything that they're saying is not true. Come on, let, let me finish here, Titus. He says, to the pure all things are pure, but to the corrupt and unbelieving nothing is pure. Both their mind and their conscience are corrupted. They profess to know God, to recognize and be acquainted with Him, but their actions, they deny and disown Him. They are detestable and disobedient and worthless for good work, for good work of any kind. Their God is their belly. They're trying to fill the church pew. So they're not preaching repentance. They're not preaching straight doctrine. They're preaching prosperity and all of these good things. They never say the hard things because people with itching ears wants to hear the hard, the, the easy things. Your spouse, your children, they don't want you to come out with the hard side. And I'm talking about your male or female spouse. I'm not just talking to the women. I'm not just talking to the men because a lot of men ain't men now. Now, he begins by accusing the Cretans. And, you know, Cretans was Philip, were, were Philistines of the island of Crete is where the Philistines, they say, come from. And you remember Paul said that Cretans are liars and slow of belly. And that there's a name of one of the Cretans that he speaks here. But then Titus mentions Jewish fables and the Jews, too, because become part of those he's accusing because a lot of people talking about the Jews and we should befriend Israel and do all of these things. I know John Hagin was one of the preachers that was high on the Jews or whatever, but it was the Jews that helped hang Jesus. So just because one is a Jew outwardly, that doesn't mean he's a Jew inwardly. And so Judaism right now, that's, that's not the same as Christianity now. Judaism that's not the same as Christianity. And, and the Jews still reject Jesus as the Messiah. So we have to see that that's what he was referencing here when he says Jewish fables and the Jews. It may be that the Christian Cretans of whom Paul speaks may have been actually ethnic Jews who had had contact with the Jews persecuting the Jews from the outside of Crete. Now, what is Titus accusing these people of? He's accusing accusing them of a practice that follows the Israelitish people in every age, believing that God indeed exists, but showing by their conduct that they do not truly believe him. Giving you the Pharisees. They believe God exists, but by their actions, their actions and conduct was what? 
hypocritical. That's why Isaiah called them a hypocritical nation. That's what happened in this nation with our last president and the evangelistic associations and the different Christians that endorsed them. That's where the beginning of some of that split came from in Christianity. And Christianity, if you look at some of the polls, and I don't, didn't bring those figures because I don't like to bring a lot of secularism in there, but Christianity is, the, is, is, is diminishing in the United States as a whole of people belonging to Christianity. And you have interdenominationalism and people not really belonging to a church. They may go to a church, but they're not joining in the capacities they used to because of our parents and our other people in Christianity causing God's name to be blasphemed. In other words, when you're preaching and teaching as we see in the nation and you really don't love, your children can see whether mom and dad is hypocrites. They can see whether the preacher living and the people in that church living the way what this Bible says. This is your judge, the word of God. And that's why I say, are you living according to every word of God? You living what you preaching. He charges them with exposing in their behavior that they do not believe that they are truly personally answerable to a sovereign God. Because we go in militarily and take over different countries. We believe it with our political policies what, that we oppress, the racism that exists. That's why it says nation against nation in the creeds and the religion. We have a bigger division in this, this nation than people realize. Yes. But it's coming to the forefront now. In other words, they didn't actually fear God. The reality of what God truly is and requires has not affected them enough till it becomes a fear in their resident life. In other words, within them. They didn't actually have their true fear of God. If fear is put in a person, that's the thing that guides their action. And that's why the Spirit of God has to be in us because it leads us and guides us into all truth. And the more we access that part of who we are, that part of our nature, the more it exercises the old nature out of us. It purges that old nature out of us. It becomes the dominant one. It's not a recessive gene. In other words, some people can pull off their Christianity and put it back on. But we want a Christianity that's with us 24-7 and becoming the dominant portion of our lives, that which people see a change that can be seen. Since we live in this environment, it brings us to the question for us to resolve. How can we live by faith if we do not have sufficient knowledge of the greatness, the closeness, and the awesome grace of God shown in His mercy? In other words, is the things in our lives that we give God credit for, for and say God has been merciful to me. Can you see, uh, is that actually what's propelling you when you lay your head on the pillow? As I've been traveling through the day, I've been holding my chest and my brother told me to go on home and not to do much of whatever. But I'm constantly thinking and 
day in and day out with my legs and everything else, is I'm hoping in God's Word that He allows me to see my grandchildren. That He allows me to see the waste places of the churches and the ruins built up. That He allows me to see His Spirit poured out on my children. That He allows me to see what's coming. In other words, I live by hope that God's going to sustain me in waiting upon God. I feel that something great, something large is about to happen. So I fight through pain, difficulties, and hardship, trusting and believing in His Word that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, that we would mount up this way. The difficulties in our lives should manifest that God is merciful and have been merciful to us. It is this mercy that allows us to begin even the barriers of a relationship with Him built upon it that God has brought me from thus far. When your spouse don't believe you and other people don't believe you, is it some things God has done in your life that you can't tell other people and you know it was only God that did that? That they don't even understand God. So it's a lot of things hidden within that you don't even tell people of because you would say, who would believe this? You remember Paul said it was some things that would reveal unto him that was unlawful for him to utter? Are there things in your life that you don't share with others because of the awesomeness of it that they may would lock you away? I have here, and I was just talking about polls, it says a recent poll revealed that over 80% of Americans believe God exists, but that belief has little influence on their conduct. And you see that, that this nation don't actually believe God as a whole. The majority of the people don't believe God. Just about anything goes in this nation now. In dress, conduct, what we watch on TV... The time we spend reading and studying God's Word, the time we spend praying, the time we spend at the, spend at the house of God, the great immorality in the American people, and with this thing about the Supreme Court, the other day the Supreme Court ruled on a case that was fictitious and that was a lie, and they knew it was a lie, that this had not happened. There's no confidence in the highest court in our land things that Mitch McConnell and the politicians have done, it was maybe not unlawful for them to do, but it wasn't an action that was besetting of Christianity. It was those that are full of hypocrisy. And as a nation goes, the people say, see that God has to judge nations because of their actions. So we can see the destruction of the world. And as I said, this is our Babylon, and we see that it has a judgment to come. So we shouldn't be sitting there watching the material things, watching the things of the world, loving the world, because that's why it says if you love the world, other things of the world, you don't love God. You're an enemy of God. The love of the world is an enemy of God. Now, you have to use the world and the things of the world. But he says using and not abusing but also not getting attached to it. Yes. Yes. 
he healed a paralytic, Matthew 9 and 8. I said I was going to go to Matthew 9 and 8. It says, but when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had such great power unto men. Now, that's why it says it's hard to get people to believe by signs, and sign doesn't generate true faith. The people were stunned and moved to the glory of God and were feared and, had, and was confounded by this paralytic man. This man was paralyzed, and they actually seen the power of God make him walk. So it's not surprised that the people that witnessed this miracle, as they go to witness these televangelists, it used to be, who it was that used to, uh, Paul, or what was that guy's name? But anyhow, it used to be Shambach and uh, people coming around in tents, Billy Hinn, and people saying that they didn't made people walk and these miracles happen. And here in Baton Rouge, we had Dwight Payton and Abundant Life Tabernacle and all these things and the faith healers. And people see this miraculous thing, but this doesn't, it may end up a conversion into believing in that individual and following his ministries. So what Satan has did is like with the screw tape letters, he have you believing in man, and as the Corinthians was, now you divide it, and you are carnal Christian because some was a Paul, some was a Paulus, and some was a Cephas. You're not believing on Jesus Christ. Your focus is not upon him. So people quit coming if that preacher is not there. They're following a, a different preacher, and that's what we have today. Men of renown, they fill the stadiums with different preachers that's coming around. But is it causing a conversion in their lives? Are they changed? Each of the three gospel writers use different Greek words in describing this miracle of how the people was amazed. But of all of the miracles and the followings of Jesus, do you know it was reduced down to 120 that was in the upper room? His ministry started to... Uh, the track gets smaller because he started preaching the hard gospel. And he says, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Now they didn't understand those words and that's what the majority of the people are today. Who uh, is the arm of the Lord revealed? Do they understand what's being said? Because he told Ezekiel that he was going to shut up their ears so that they couldn't hear. They eyes so they couldn't see and that they would be healed. This was a people that God was going to bring judgment. He wasn't going to reveal this unto him. He doesn't reveal himself to everybody. We don't have, everybody doesn't get the revelation of Jesus Christ. So all of this work that God has, it doesn't produce an active faith in us. We must hear the word of God, but we must be children of God for that word to flip that activation switch for that catalyst. When we hear it, what it does is confirm what God had already placed in us from the beginning of the Word because He had chosen us. So faith coming by hearing. So you must go to the preacher to hear that preach and, it, and it's going to touch something within you. It's going to change your life. Faith is not produced by sight and that's not even the definition of, the, of faith. Faith, faith is the substance of things. 
2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God as in, and what God has promised. So the belief in everything is in his word and what he has promised that they won't fall short. It's not in what we see. It's not in what we possess. It's not in the things that are going on, but it's in God no matter what happens, as Habakkuk say, though the stall is empty, though the fruit tree may not bear all of these things, the just shall live by faith. Miracles and physical proof do not instill faith in individuals, and there's going to be an adulterous generation looking for signs and wonders. God calls a person opening in his mind to his truth. You remember Jesus in the book of Luke open up their mind that they may understand the scriptures so God has to give us an understanding God has to call us the book of John the 44th chapter of the 6th verse says no one can come to me unless the father who has sent me draws me that's what I was telling you earlier you can't go to God you can't go to Jesus because the Father has to reveal the Son unto you. So that it says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. In other words, giving him the desire to come to me. Unless God gives you that desire, you those people that get emotional at a film or somewhere, they may be scared of death because you got a dead person that laying in front of them or whatever, or something happens. But unless God gives them the desire to come to him, you can't come to him. He says, no one can come to me, and I will raise him up from the dead at the last day. So people believe in sensationalism in today. It's more hits, programs, and things going on and activities for the children. A lot of people join a church because of what activities and programs you hear they're having and not by the word of God. In addition, the people will move to glorify God in their reaction to him, saying, oh man, that's awesome, and glorify God. But does it actually change your life? Did it have an effect on you to where that imprinted you to now you to turn? Because it has to be repentance. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, they say, what must we do to be saved? Now that's when Peter issued the proclamation. Repent. In other words, turn and be baptized in Jesus' name. So what did I say baptism was? Baptism is a work. So do this work. In other words, faith has works. So the baptism was just a show of faith. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward work that God has turned you or changed you or placed his word within you. Be baptized and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. And that sounds like a promise. He says if you were to repent, be baptized, you would receive the Holy Ghost. That is true. But it, it's not literal. It's figurative. In other words, if you repent... But the only way you can repent is that God turn you. You have to know the word of God. The Old Testament is there. A group that we used to have, and you used to call me the Old Testament thing because I used to preach from it. But that's where your examples are. Jeremiah says, turn to me and I'll be turned. You can't repent unless God 
turns you and helps you to repent. You can't repent of yourself. Judas repented that he had sold Jesus. Esau repented that he had sold his birthright. Manasseh repented of what he did. But if you repent, does God accept that repentance? Is it God turning you? Is it God repenting you? True repentance is on the salvation. So, Luke writes that they were all filled with fear, Luke 5 and 26. And it could be terrifying, as I said, to be confronted with the actual presence of God. You remember Jesus when he pulled the haul of fish and Peter seen the great haul of fish in the book of Luke? And he says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He wasn't worthy because what it is, you seeing the holiness of God, that opens your eyes to God and it fixates you on them. Let me do this one last one here and I'll close there. I'm trying to get to a stopping point here. Psalms 111 and 10. You remember I told you there's a lot of components or elements of salvation. There's no one single thing for you to do to be saved. They may be the beginnings of understanding and wisdom. Psalms 111 and 10 says, How can men be wise? The only way to begin is by reverence for God. Growth and wisdom comes from obeying His laws and praise His name forever. So, the only way we can grow in God and has wisdom is to obey God's laws. Now, we're not talking about the wisdom of this world with this earthly, devilish, and sensual. Solomon had that wisdom, but Solomon may have been lost. That's why he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, Vanity of Vanity, and all his vexation of vanity, in which he gave us his viewpoint of life under the sun from a physical point of view. Not saying that he was uh, spiritually lost, but physically he violated God, and that's why God divided the tribes, and that he kept them the last two for David's sake, but Solomon let the strange women draw his heart away from God, and disobedience to God, the women drew his heart away from God. But to read that same verse in the Amplified, it says, the reverential fear of the Lord is the beginning. In other words, that's the prerequisite for the essential wisdom of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. So if you don't have a fear, a reverential fear of God, you can't begin to understand and has have the wisdom of God. A good understanding and a teachable heart are possessed by all those who do the will of God. You have to be, a, repeat it again, a doer of the will of God. His word working in us both to will and to do. It is the Lord that is in us that giveth us the power, the ability to do the works. He had given to us who believe the power to become the sons of God. You establish by the the gospel has the power to establish you in the grace of God. It's the preaching and teaching of God's word and that's why when we lack we're not around that. We're not coming 
to hear God's word, that's where the weakness comes. That's where the infirmity comes. That's when the laxity comes. That's why when we start missing more and more time, that's why when we start reading less and less of our word, that's when we stop praying and conversing. That's when our relationship with God begins to splinter. When a husband and a wife stop talking with one another, when children and parents stop talking with one another, and they start talking to others, those things get in between and you drift. You drift away from one another. And sometimes when that drift begins, you wonder, how did you get so far apart and when this happened? People sometimes don't notice when you're drifting away. It comes slowly. The devil works slowly. Proverbs 9 and 10 says, The reverent fear of the Lord that he is worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome is the beginning and the preeminent part of wisdom. It is the starting point. It is the essence. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding and spiritual insight. That's how we have to get connected and stay connected. It's spiritual insight. So that's the ones that we see believe the report. That's whom the arm of the Lord is revealed to. Those, God starts revealing himself. But notice like now, it's not just a work because you could be self-ambition and do works. And those with self-ambition, they say, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we feed the devil? I mean, uh, didn't we feed the needed? Didn't we cast out devils? And then we do all of these in your name. He say, I never knew you because why? You didn't have a relationship with him. You wasn't linked to him. The commonality of that bond, he has to reveal. He has to break you in. Heavenly Father, as we come.